Welcome to the Financially Independent Teachers Podcast, where educators come together to discuss their journey on the road to financial independence. Now, please join our co-host, Dave and Brandon, as they prepare to help other educators get fit with their finances. Welcome and thanks for joining us on episode number 99 of the Financially Independent Teachers Podcast. If you think your story can help other educators and you'd be willing to come on the show, please shoot me an email at getfiteducator at gmail.com. And coach, before we get into the much anticipated topic of what the American teacher should be paid, I do want to make a quick plug because next week, believe it or not, coach, is episode 100. Uh, so we've got some big announcements coming up next week. I am super excited about what fit has on the horizon in 2023. Yeah, me too, man. That, you know, who knew, who knew we'd still be doing this, but um, I'm, I'm excited to, you know, some of the things that we're going to be doing in the next uh, few months and, and, you know, hopefully years to come is going to be really exciting. And this is, this has turned into something that is a big part of my life, something that I really love to do. And, uh, Dave, this was your vision, man. This was your vision. And uh, I'm so happy you included me in it. It's, it's so funny how things turn out because I didn't really have a vision other than I was getting frustrated when teachers would adamantly say that even over the course of a 30, 35 year career, they could never build wealth and be financially independent. And I just got sick of arguing with people back and forth on message boards. And it was basically, instead of arguing, let's just interview people who are doing it and they're doing it well. And let's be positive and share the stories of those who actually are winning with money. So it's been a pleasure to have you on the journey. I really look forward to next week. And I kind of have a call to action for our listeners. If you get a chance, especially if you have an iPhone, go to your little purple podcast icon, go to the Financially Independent Teachers podcast page and scroll all the way to the bottom and leave us a five-star review. And if you can leave us a review as well, that would be great. So my goal for the listeners coach is for us to have a hundred reviews in honor of our 100th episode. We're at 60 right now. So that's a lot of reviews to get to in the next few weeks, but I would love for that to happen. Oh, that would be awesome. Uh, Those five-star reviews really help a podcast. And so, um, you know, if you're, if you're listening to this, we, you know, we would love to have you go and do that that would really be helpful uh, to us and to us trying to spread this message of hope. I, I love what you said there, uh, Dave, you, you know, that was what kind of turned me on to this was that, you know, you're all about uh, spreading positivity and you're always a positive guy. Like people that have been around you, you know, that, that what I'm talking about here, you're always positive. And, uh, and that message of positivity is what helps and being negative doesn't help being positive does. Absolutely. And in today's episode, you know, we're going to see what happens with this one, coach. We're getting ready to talk about the much discussed issue of what the American teacher should be paid. And I'm kind of torn on this because uh, I go back to when I met my wife back in 2008. And as a second year teacher, I was making about $32,000 a year gross. Uh, That's here in Eastern North Carolina. That's coaching. That's a local supplement. And my wife, who was making a little more than double what I was making as a real estate agent, Uh, had more debt, a lower net worth, and had nothing in savings. So I think one thing that we've got to be careful about as teachers or or as middle-income earners is we often feel like, man, if I could just get, you know, a $5,000 a year raise or a $10,000 a year raise, all of my problems will be solved. But we've talked a lot about, 
you know, lifestyle creep and the hedonic treadmill. And if we get caught up in this American consumption, consumer society and advertisements and social media, it's really easy to just simply, okay, I'm a teacher and I got a $10,000 a year raise. I just paid my car off, but why not go out and get a better one uh, that maybe has a $600 a month car payment? Hey, we've been living in this three bedroom house with our two kids for 10 years and we could never afford bigger, but now let's go ahead and move up to the five bedroom house and, and pick up the the $2,000 a month mortgage. So yes, we both believe teachers deserve raises. We're going to talk about those numbers. We're going to talk about why as we go through the show. So it should be a lot of fun. Absolutely. I, I don't think of it quite that way. You know, what a teacher does with the extra money is up to them. We would like to encourage them to use the extra money, uh, you know, in a productive way. But if they choose to do something yeah. that's going to actually be counterproductive, then that's their choice. You know, ultimately, I view this as, you know, the the challenge is twofold. Number one, can we get teachers paid what we believe they deserve to be paid? And then number two, teachers need to understand that that extra money is not going to necessarily bring them uh, happiness or financial independence. So I think about the teacher that's already doing what they're supposed to be doing. They're already being frugal. I take like myself, for example, you give me an extra, let's say, $10,000 a year. And man, I'm way ahead of the game now because I'm not going to take that extra $10,000 and go spend it unwisely. I'm going to use it to help me build wealth. And, you know, so if you're, if you get teachers doing the right things, then that extra money will really, but like you said, if they don't, then, you know, but I still think teachers deserve to get paid a certain amount. And I'm going to go ahead and throw the number out there. We'll talk about why we're coming up with the numbers that we're this coming up with. This is why you're the show favorite. It's coming uh, up here. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> Um, I don't know if I'm the show favorite, but I'm, I think I have a feeling people are going to like what I have to say here, or at least a lot of people will. Um, so here's the deal. I don't think any teacher. Well, actually, let me say this first. We're not talking about the the top states in the union. We know that there's four or five states or so that where the teachers, there are high income earners, California, New York. We're not talking about those teachers. That That's a little different story. We're talking about the 40 to 45 states in the union that are all pretty close. And, and that when you talk about those 40 to 45 states or so, we've looked up the numbers and you're looking at a an average teacher salary of around 63 to 64,000 a year with the median salary in those states, just over 60,000. So again, just so you know, again, we're not talking about California, New York. Right. So, uh, you know, so so having said that, I don't think that any teacher should make and, and I'm not going to count uh, like so. So some of that, um, you know, we're talking benefits and all that stuff. So I'm going to say it like this. I don't think that any teacher in the union should be anywhere close to lower middle class. So I'm going the number I'm going to throw out there is sixty eight thousand dollars a year. I don't think that any teacher in the union, uh, uh, look, teachers in North Carolina, and I, and I don't want to get too much into the reasons, but I'll just say one thing about it just to kind of preface this. If a teacher is doing the basics well enough to keep their job, they are uh, you know, scoring well enough on their observations, students are safe in their classroom, all that they're responsible for, uh, and they're highly qualified in the sense that they have a degree in the subject or, or age range that they're teaching. There's no way that teacher should make less than $68,000 a year. Uh, that would be, that to me is the baseline minimum. 
And I'll go into where I think it should go from there in a minute, but that is yeah. where I think it should be. So you're at a starting baseline salary of 68,000. And a lot of what I thought of uh, before recording the episode is, of course, we teach in North Carolina and the beginning salary in our state across the board is uh, $37,000 per year. And we have a hundred different counties in North Carolina and counties can offer what we call a local supplement in North Carolina for retention and recruitment of teachers. As an example, if you're in the, the Raleigh area or the Charlotte area uh, with that local county supplement, a first year teacher somewhere probably closer to the uh, 43 or 44,000 range. But of course, in a bigger city, you're going to have a higher cost of living. So keeping really North Carolina and those other states you mentioned uh, where the average salary is around 62,000 a year. I was thinking that a uh, beginning teacher salary of around $52,000, nothing below $52,000 to start. And again, when you factor in educators, yes, I know we work hard. Um, sometimes you'll see the bumper stickers right on the back of somebody's card that, Hey, if you can read this, thank a teacher. Yes. I do think teachers are really important. Sometimes I feel like we think we're more important maybe than we really are. I think we are very important to society. I'm not saying teachers aren't important. I am a teacher. Your popularity is dropping by the yes, second. My popularity is dropping. <laughs> so I'm going to, you know, teachers aren't as important as some think, but some people, you know, really say yeah, teachers deserve to make a hundred grand in these States that we're talking about starting out and Hey, I'd be happy to take more money, but I'm trying to look at the reality of taxes and the reality of what would a state legislature actually do. And we're going to talk more about that. So again, I think that $52,000 starting salary is a good place to go. We do I think work. I'm going to convince you. I think I'm going to convince you before the end of this show that it should be 68. Well, I hope so. I would love, I would love to get a pay raise. <laughs> uh, no doubt about it. I think but I'm going to convince you. And one last thing I'm going to throw in here. I know teachers, you know, often have to take, you know, things home. And we are very fortunate as high school teachers in North Carolina that we teach on the semester schedule, the block scheduling, and we teach three periods a day. And then we have like an 85 to 90 minute planning period free. So I also have to understand that not every teacher is in our situation. Those elementary school teachers who can't even get a lunch or a moment to themselves. That's a little bit different than the high school teacher where I get 25 minutes for lunch on my own four days a week. And I get 90 minutes during a planning period. So yeah, everything is all relative. And I understand the world I live in is, is maybe different than another teacher. So I'm going to start out saying 52,000 a year to start. Um, that's bachelor's salary, not counting any advanced degrees or anything like that. Uh, and I am also going to kind of make the point of when you look at spring break, Christmas break, the major holidays in summer, we're working about nine months a year. Yes, I know we do planning. We bring stuff home, uh, but we work about nine months a year. So if you were to factor that in with someone in the private sector, you know, if they're making 52,000 a year, again, we're talking starting salary, they'd be making somewhere in the 60 to 62 range if they were working for, uh, you know, 12 months. All those are, those are all good points. I, I, so, I, well, let's get into this a little bit. I mean, I, you know, I first of all want to say that I'm advocating for teachers becoming pretty, you know, right at the top of being, you know, middle income earners, uh, lower, uh, you know, and on the lower end of being high income earners uh, or have the potential for that. So I do think that comes with a level of professionalism. I would like to see teachers uh, really almost have a missionary zeal for wanting to promote the professionalism uh, of our career, of our career choice, you know, really promote our, our, our really promote the 
getting tongue tied here, but just really being great ambassadors for the program, uh, for the profession. And, uh, you know, so that comes down to the way we carry ourselves, uh, way we dress, the way we talk about the profession, the way we promote it in our communities, our responsibility to be ambassadors for the profession in our communities. I, I really think that that stuff is important. And if we ever want to see some real change happen, I think we're all going to have to realize we're stakeholders in that. But, um, but okay. So why $68,000 a year? Coach, uh, you know, I'm getting ready to criticize you here. Cause I'm going to say what some people say in uh, society, in the community and social media, that you become a teacher, not for the money, but you become a teacher because you love kids and the learning, the money, you know, shouldn't really matter. You chose this profession. Uh, and I'm not I'm saying super, I believe that, but what would your answer? No, be? I'm, I'm, I'm actually super glad that was a great set. Here comes the spike. Yes. Um, okay. So number one, $68,000 a year is not a lot of money. I, I am not 68. Look, you know, we, we've got to, we've got to widen our, our perspectives here just a little bit. Um, right now, uh, a kid with a two-year degree uh, in nursing who's 21 years old nets about as much as I make. Right. I mean, so, so, I mean, you know, so, so let's not pretend that $68,000 is a lot of money. $68,000 is okay money first of all. And then second of all, if we're still going to be getting good, what, what we want is, is we don't want to turn people away from the profession. Right now, because of our current salary structures all across America, some of the best kids, kids that would have had a heart for teaching and would have been great teachers, they're saying, oh man, I can't go into that profession. They don't, they don't get paid very much. I'd rather go you know, because when they look at the salary structures of all the other things, they could go get their MBA and end up making a lot of money. Why would the best and the brightest, the most talented actually choose to go into a profession where they're not going to be appreciated? You know, so 68,000, that's not, that's just so that we don't actively turn kids away from the profession. And, that's not a recruiting tool. And even uh, in the current climate, again, I've, I've heard so many teachers that have children themselves that say, I will never let my child become a teacher. I've heard teachers in the classroom talking about, you know, how bad we get paid and things like that with the students. Um, and, and obviously it's not the best in every state. Again, in, in my school, in my county coach, uh, first year teacher makes about 41,500. It is a fairly lower cost of living area compared to, you know, major metropolitan area. But I did a poll in my classes, my personal finance classes and said, you know, how much do you think a teacher makes? Uh, and I asked them like hourly and I would let them, you know, chat with them with each other for 60 to 90 seconds. And the consensus was that the average teacher is probably making somewhere between 10 and $12 an hour. Um, so, and I gave them the baseline guys, don't forget that minimum wage federally is seven twenty-five. Uh, and you know, of course we talked about New York and California and how those are different, but I asked them, what do you think a North Carolina teacher makes? And they said, ah, you know, somebody at Bojangles is making $8 an hour, you know, Chick-fil-A, maybe nine eh, teachers are probably making 10 to 12 an hour. That's what they truly believed. And, and these were honors students. And so again, is- um, we don't make that a first year teacher at my high school makes about 19 or $20 an hour. And yes, I believe we deserve raises, but because I think we've harped so much on how little we get paid, you know, it's gone even further than we can imagine. And now these high level students don't want to get into it. Yeah. For, you know, and this is, you know, that's kind of the spike that, that I was talking about yeah. because I don't think the average citizen who works in the private sector or perhaps another public sector uh, job 
I don't think they realize just how bad the recruiting is getting for teachers. We are not going to be getting the best and brightest kids because of, and some of it's our own fault. This is part of what I was talking about, about promoting the profession as opposed to always, you will never hear me. I, I tell my students that you can build wealth as a teacher because I truly believe you can. Uh, we always talk about, you know, there's not a lot of room for error and all that. That's true. But when I talk to kids, I want to be able to tell kids, look, when you graduate from college, you're going to make $68,000 a year at a minimum. That's what you're going to make. Again, that's not 68. You're not, when you see $68,000, you're not thinking, oh, I'm about to go become a millionaire. Although we know you can, if you do it right. But $68,000, hopefully that would not, that would just work actively not to deter a potential recruit. People are still going to teach for the reason of they love kids and they want to make an impact on people's lives. Uh, 68,000 just preserves that. It doesn't, it doesn't promote people who don't have the heart of a teacher to be, go become teachers so they can get rich. There's plenty of things that you can do and make $68,000 a year. You yeah. Know? You hear a lot of people say that, right? If we pay teachers more, you know, people are going to get into it for the wrong reasons. You know, yeah, that's I, not I, going to happen for $68,000. Yeah, no, not going no, to happen. No. Um, and, uh, you know, so, I, you know, I don't, I, anyways, um, so $68,000 a year to start off with. But I also, this is where you and I, you know, I don't know if we disagree. I, you, you're going to work within the system and you'll talk about what you're, you're talking about in a minute. But $52,000 a year to start off with, I think that we have a, and, and, and again, you know, I love what you said about, you know, look, you got, you, you got three months a year off. You know, of course, you didn't mention this, but this is true. We get early afternoons, so we have opportunities to work side hustles and second jobs and all that stuff. But that's not really the point. The point is, is that uh, the point is not how, how often, how much we work. The point is not, I don't even want to get into all that. What I'm saying is, as a teacher, we want to make sure that we are offering the kind of salary that will bring in the best and brightest as a taxpayer, not as a teacher, as a taxpayer. I want to know that my children are attending good schools with competent professional adults who are pouring in there and pouring into and investing into their lives. The teaching profession is too important for us to say, we're going to start you off. I mean, well, and actually, where does a 30 year teacher with a bachelor's degree in North Carolina end up? Yeah, the uh, a base salary in North Carolina without master's pay, which they removed master's pay in 2013. Some are grandfathered in. Many obviously aren't. Um, not counting lo local supplements, you're at fifty four thousand. I mean, we're telling it. We're we're telling a kid right now in North Carolina, which is similar all across the country. We're telling a kid if you spend thirty years as an educator, you get fifty four thousand dollars a year. We can't tell kids that. We, if you tell kids that they're not, they're not the, even the ones that have, we a can't tell adults heart, that <laughs> if we tell kids that even the ones that have the heart of a teacher, right. They're, they're, they're going to second get They're They're probably not going to become teachers. And we see it 20 years ago when I said, raise your hand, if you think about becoming a teacher in an honors class, I would get three or four hands go up at least. Now I get zero. Nobody's hand goes up. Uh, and it's for this reason, like you said, we've made it worse than it is because of the way we talk about it. But so, so for no other reason, if we, as as a taxpayer, I want to draw the best. Now, I will say this, and and so and before we get to your because you're going to talk about the working within the system, I'm talking about tearing the system down in North Carolina anyway. I don't like the idea, and I think this is where my private sector people will will like what I have to say here. I don't like the idea of you get increases in pay just because you've stuck around. I, I do think that pay 
you the pay should be dependent or increase in pay should be dependent upon some level of evidence that suggests that you are more valuable in the school. Um, I'm going to say this. They got rid of master's pay largely because there was no statistical data that suggested that there was an improvement in student performance, whether the teacher had a master's degree or not. I think that that is really narrow minded. I think the overall health of the school is better when you have teachers that have master's degrees, particularly master's degrees in administration. And so I think the master's degree is, is important. I think that it's worth $10,000 a year important. I would say that the next step in, it would be tier two, you're tier one, you're a highly qualified teacher. You are doing all the basics, right? You know, your, your evaluations are good. You start off at $68,000 a year. You can stay at $68,000 a year for 30 years. All right. If you want another, the next bump in pay, I would say would be somewhere around 10 grand. You get a master's degree, we'll pay you up to $78,000. And then if you want to go to tier three, you need to get nationally board certified. That would take you to maybe 85 to 88,000. And I would say you would top out at about 85 to 88,000. So I'm, I would make the argument for three tiers. But here's the other thing. Uh, and some states are doing this well. Some states are not. North Carolina is not doing this well. I think that you should get we, – we should be actively recruiting the teachers that we have to do more to invest in the lives of, their, of, of, of the kids in the school. And so if you're going to run the prom every year, you should get paid for that. If you're going to run SGA and, and, and we expect you to do a good job with SGA, you should get paid for that. Currently, teachers are doing that stuff for free. Uh, coaches get paid very little. Uh, coaches should get be paid better. Um, I think that from from that base salary of 68 to 78 to 88, based on the education that you achieve, I think we should also be paying our teachers for the extra things that they do, uh, because that's what enhances the overall experience that kids have in school. And so, you know, that and that's how we distinguish the difference between the high flyers and the, and the teachers that are just kind of getting by. But it's hard to tell a teacher hey, we want you to really invest in SGA and really give the kids a good experience. And you're going to take time away from your family, but you want to, you're going to have to do that for free. Yeah. And, and we so talk about, that, talked about, uh, you know, one of the perks of being an educator, especially in our situation where we're done before three o'clock is that you can go side hustle, mm -hmm. but you know, obviously if we're teaching and we're teaching well, we, we have to love kids. I mean, the kids can see right through you, right? They can see absolutely. through a teacher that really doesn't want to be there, but how cool would it be able to quote unquote side hustle, but you actually didn't have to leave campus, you know, that instead of leaving at three o'clock to go load up your pressure washing truck or to go do hair and nails and makeup or cut grass, there were enough opportunities on campus for you to be able to stay there and mentor those kids and help them out. And you could make the same amount of money or maybe not the same amount of money, but at least, you know, maybe an extra, you know, five to $10,000 a year where you get to do what you love with kids and you don't have to go get that job working at the retail store or whatever. So, you know, Absolutely. I completely, I want to be clear on this. I love the system that you're talking about because in North Carolina, you sound like you're, you're kind of on board. Again, it's to be seen whenever government gets involved, they haven't always uh, treated us as well as we would like in North Carolina. And many of these people haven't been in a classroom in a really long time. But North Carolina is in the process of potentially revamping, burning down the system, shaking it up and starting over. Um, but I don't know how they're going to fund it. So I agree yeah, with a lot of what it, you're saying. Fund, funding it is going to be the issue. You know, we, we don't know how they're going to do that yet. And, and I don't know if I agree with everything that they're talking about. But what I do know is, is that 
you know, just to kind of recap, $68,000 starting off. You And if you don't go back to school and get your master's degree or national board certification, you stay at 68 for your entire career. Um, now you can make more, but you can make more money by being the SGA advisor, by being the ROCAP advisor, by being the, you know, FBLA advisor. You can, you can go make more money by, by doing more in the school. The more value you bring to the school, the more you get paid. Uh, if you want to go come to school on time and leave at the end of your contract hours and do your job, but, but that's it. 68, I think is, I don't think any teacher should make less than that. I don't think you're entitled to more than that. Uh, you go get your master's degree or national board certification. You can get bumped up 10 grand more. If you go get both of them, you can get bumped up 15 to 20 grand more. Uh, and, and I really think that's the structure that we need to, number one, attract the best people to the profession. Uh, and number two, I think what that does is, is that, that, that creates a situation where I think educators feel appreciated. And I think that enhances the level of professionalism we see. Um, and one thing I like about your model, and again, it's, these are just kind of rough drafts. We're talking out loud here sure, a little bit. Sure. You know, we haven't spent hours on this or anything like that, no. but um, you know, one thing I like about your models, it might weed out those teachers that really don't need to be in the classroom because, you know, if they really do want to get raises, if they're just unhappy with being stuck at that introductory salary, you know, I've worked with a handful of people over the years. It's in any profession. It's just not education where, you know, they're walking in five minutes before the bell rings and they're leaving right when the bell rings and you know they're passing out worksheets and they're really not getting a whole lot accomplished. Maybe your plan, you know, they're on cruise control. You know, hey, I know that next year I, I lived one more year, coach. So next year when my birthday comes and, and August starts back, I'm going to get paid more. So you're putting a little pressure on these people that, hey, you're going to have to perform similar to, to a perform, business model. You have to perform in order to get paid more. You have to you have to show some evidence that you're bringing value to the table. Here's the other thing, though. If if 68 is where you start, if you, if you, and, and then you have opportunities to make more by doing more, if 68 is where you start, I think you're going to get – what you're going to see is more kids going to school to be teachers. And I th Because I think there's more people out there that have the heart of a teacher, but they just are discouraged by the pay scale. And so what happens is, is those teachers that put it on cruise control and don't want to do very much and, you know – well, I mean, there's more people, there's a lot, there's people lined up for your job. And so I, I think that that's important too, having enough applicants. It's amazing how many times yeah. right now in Craven County, which is the county right next door to both of us, actually, Craven County has 75 positions available within the county for uh, teacher positions. And this isn't a very largely populated student county either. Yeah, we're talking about three high schools, four middle schools. I'm not sure how many elementary schools, but 75 positions available right now. Uh, last I checked. And so so it's not that I mean, we can't find people to do the to do these jobs. And so I think I think what what the community has to realize is, is that the students that we're getting are less and less prepared for the rigor of the classroom experience. What we're asking the teachers to do is a, a, a more daunting task than it's ever been in my 22 years. And yet we want to say, well, you know, you're never going to make more than, a, a you know, just north of $50,000 a year, even if you spend 30 years in the profession. Oh, yeah, you want to do SGA? That's cool. Uh, you do that. Um, that's volunteer work for you. You know, and, and so what's happened is a lot of teachers say, well, I don't want to do any of that. I'm going home as soon as my contract hours are over. And what's and what furthermore, what's happened is our students aren't getting, in my opinion, the same kind of experience that you and I got when we were in school. 
And I, you know, we're going to have to, if as, as a taxpayer, we're going to have to start investing in our schools and, and, and trying to recruit the best people that we can. Uh, and I don't want to, I don't, I, you know, the, I want to be careful here. I don't want to say that we have, you know, terrible people in our schools now. I think sometimes we have people that were, that are great and, but they've lost their motivation. I do think that happens sometimes because they don't feel valued, but I want to stress this. We have, we have a teacher shortage right now. Yeah, we North don't have Carolina enough. vacancies are up 15% this year compared to last year. Right. I mean, so we, we that that's the issue. We've got to find a way to not just attract the best people, but just to attract people, period, you know, to the profession. And so I do think that if we invest a little more, we, we, we're going to get more applicants. It's going to become more competitive. And that's what we want. So, so I think your plan sounds great. Again, I think uh, Brandon Spees for governor 2024. Uh, here in about, North Carolina, about 2028. I, I'm, I'm um, some, yeah, give you some time, time to map this, recognition. this plan out. But yeah. you know, I haven't. Uh, you know, I, I like the sound of your plan, so I just want people to hear me out there that I, I love Brandon's plan. Uh, kind of the numbers that I've thrown out there are working within the framework of not dismantling the system. I'm not saying that it doesn't need to be dismantled. I'm just saying the odds of it happening seem you know, very low, although it could happen. It might happen here in North Carolina really soon. And, and who knows, it might be a great system that other states end up saying, wow, look at North Carolina, it really works. Or we might become even more of a laughing stock that some consider us. So who knows, that's a crapshoot. But I'm saying starting salary of 52,000, which puts you on pace with the average college graduate starting salary. Um, I think the average college graduate right now, bachelor's degree in the US is somewhere in the upper 50s, uh, around 60,000. So if you made 52,000 as a teacher, let's say that you, we worked 10 months, you know, not counting the breaks and things like that. Um, you know, you're on par with almost 60 good quality benefits, maybe a pension. But what I would say is for sure, you should get master's pay. So most states, you're not having to worry about this, but we live in North Carolina. I'm very fortunate that I got my master's in 2008. So I'm grandfathered in, I get a 10% salary bump with that, which is like an extra six, seven grand a year. Every teacher in North Carolina should have the opportunity to get master's pay. Even if the evidence states that you actually aren't a better classroom teacher because of it, again, the teacher's psyche, knowing that uh, no matter what step I'm on, I can get a pay raise, reinvesting into yourself, recruitment of teachers. North Carolina is a very transient state and we have people from all over. You and I have both worked with teachers from New York, Pennsylvania, Michigan. I'm from Ohio and I came down. What a great tool for recruitment and what a terrible tool to try to recruit when you have a teacher in New York or another state and they have a master's degree and they say, hey, well, I'm sorry, in North Carolina, you're not going to get paid for that. People can't afford to take that kind of pay cut. So master's pay should be restored. And again, working within the framework, I'm not saying I agree with the framework. I'm just being a little more lazy than you. You've got a smarter brain than I am. I think that 52,000 a year starting and every year increasing the steps by $1,000 per year. So a year 30 teacher, you start at 52,000, year 30, $1,000 increments each year, you're up to 82,000 by the time you retire. But you that's bachelor's pay. You get a master's, you know, you're pushing 90,000. You get national boards, you're pushing 95 to 98,000. So I just think it's really important for teachers to know you know, we get paid in North Carolina once a month, like budgeting. You're huge on the, the percentages, coach. And I shouldn't spend more than this percentage on my household income when it comes to 
you know, my housing expenditures. Well, maybe I'm a young teacher and we know inflation is crazy and I want to go buy a starter townhouse for 180,000. It represents 38% of my take-home pay right now. But I know that I'm going to be guaranteed to get a thousand dollar raise every year, and I can get my master's and jump up another six or seven thousand. And within two or three years, I can have that down to 25%. But knowing that those raises are coming and knowing that I can actually increase my income, I do agree coaches deserve to get paid more. But I think that scale, at least here in North Carolina, 52,000 baseline up to 82,000 with only a bachelor's degree, but with the addition to uh, add on to that pay. Yeah. So, you know, what we're, what you're looking at with, I, I, I like what you, I mean, I don't, I don't disagree with what you just said. The only, the only part, well, the only disagreement I have is that I'm not sure that as a taxpayer, not as a teacher, as a taxpayer, I like the idea of getting an extra thousand dollars a year just for existing, Right. you know, the, 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 the private sector in me, uh, because I do like the business model says that you have to earn, you have to earn that extra pay. You got to do something to prove your worth and your value. But I don't disagree with you either, though. I mean, that is our current system. Our current system is we go, we get bumps in pay based on how long we've been here. And working within that system the way that you are, I think that's a system that makes sense because I'm telling a college graduate, look, you're only going to make 52 to start with, but you could end up at 82 if you don't do anything else. You know, I mean, right. that, that, I, I do think that solves the problem of recruitment, you know, whereas before, you know, 52 is where they're going to basically end up. You know, 52 is where you're starting and, and you'll end up at, at 82 at the end, you end up being a, a really high middle income earner at that point. And you have two uh, teachers think, making 160,000 if you're married. That's right. Kind of, kind of like our, um, uh, you know, uh, Mr. Cruz from, from our last episode, you yeah. know, so I, I, I do like that, but, um, but so I, so I don't disagree with your, with your system at all. I kind of feel like you probably feel about mine. I, I think it's workable. I think it's plausible. I think it's much better than what we already have. Um, and you, you don't disagree with me that teachers should get paid for the things they do around campus. Um, and so I, I think we're pretty close on this, actually. Uh, I would like to see um, the, the, the master's pay and the national board pay be able to take you from tier one to tier two to tier three. And, and, and there'd be about a 10 grand difference between the tiers, 68 to 78 to 88. But if you're a, a teacher who's making $88,000 a year and you're coaching football, for example, you know, that fo- uh, coaching in football should get you, should be able to get you another six or $7,000 a year. Whereas right now it gets you maybe an extra two, uh, depending on where you're coaching. Yeah. It should get you at least $15 an hour versus the current dollar 50 an hour. <laughs> I swear. I mean, it, it's really bad. What, what they expect us to do in terms of coaching across state of North Carolina is really crazy. And I love what Maurice Atwood said, you know, a long time ago we had him on the show and he said, teachers shouldn't do anything for free. But see, the reason why we do it for free is because we have a heart for kids. We, we do have a, 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 the heart of a teacher says, yeah, but, you know, no matter what, no matter what sacrifices I have to make, I'll do it for the kids. Um, and, you know, and so we've been taken advantage of for a lot of years because of that. And, and I, I hate to say it like that, but that is what's happened. We've been taken advantage of. And, you know, so if you're a if let's say you're a teacher, you, you're making sixty eight thousand on my on my plan, you're making sixty eight thousand dollars a year. You're not interested in getting your national boards or your master's degree. So you're only making $68,000 a year. But if you go out and, and, and run a club, maybe coach a sport, department maybe chair, maybe yeah, department chair, maybe sign up for gate duty. If you, cause I think you should get paid for all that. So then you could go, if you're a high flyer in the school, meaning you're providing a lot of value to the school by doing all these other things, then man, you could end up going up to 78, 80, 
um, you know, by doing all those things. And so, so we I, both I, agree that, you know, in these 40 to 44 states or so that we're talking about, you should be able to end your 30 year career for sure. You know, if you're working hard and you're advancing yourself, being a lifelong learner, being fearless as you go through your career, that you're somewhere in the upper eighties, touching 90,000. We both agree on that. Yeah. In the eighties for sure. In and, the 80s and, for, and I guess I, I don't really, so let me anything. just, let me just say, say one thing about yes. that. So not, I don't think you, just because you put 30 years in, you should be getting paid in the low eighties. So if you are a teacher who comes, I don't think any teachers should get paid less than 68. If you are a teacher who comes to school on time and leaves at the end of your contract hours, and the only thing that you only value you provide is that you're a good classroom teacher, solid classroom teacher. I, I think 68 is where you're at. You're, you're, a lot you're of responsibilities. Yeah. With the responsibilities that you, I mean, because there's a lot of responsibility. That's why I think you should get 68. But as a taxpayer, if that's the only thing you're bringing to the table, I don't think you should increase in pay from there. And, there, and there'll probably be some pushback on that. I imagine some people will disagree with me on that. Yeah, I guess there is an argument to be made that a first year teacher is not going to be as good as a 15 year teacher. Yeah. There's an argument to be made there. And I don't, I, and I, but I want the reason why I'm saying this is because I want there to be some incentive for teachers to become high flyers. And high flyers are people that bring more value than just being a classroom teacher. That is what enhances the lives of our kids. And that's what I want to see incentivized. So, yeah. And, and one of the problems with my scale uh, under the current system, again, I'm not saying I agree with the current system. I'm just working within that framework is sometimes I catch myself being guilty of assuming that a first year teacher is probably 22, 23, 24. Cause that's what you and I did. Right. That's right. You know, when I went to college, you know, I had a bunch of roommates that went on to become teachers and we all started at 22, 23, but I've also worked with a lot of people, uh, even Ryan Cruz on our last episode, he didn't start in education. He got a degree in hospitality. He was in that industry, got fed up with the nights and the weekends and the long hours that he decided he wanted to move into education. So, you know, what if somebody is uh, 38 years old, it's a, a single parent and they have two kids that, that aren't quite in kindergarten yet. Um, if they come in in North Carolina and they're only paid as a first year teacher, you know, making 37 to $42,000 a year, you know, they're probably eliminated right off the bat to be able to come into our profession, to be able to afford to pay for 12 or $1,500 a month in daycare. So that's one of the areas I've really shifted into. Again, I'm married. I've got two kids. My wife's a high income earner. I was doing better financially uh, than she was as far as net worth and things like that when we met. But my heart has really shifted to uh, an educator who in most cases has to have a four-year bachelor's degree should be able to at least support the lifestyle of a single parent who has like a kid in daycare and be able to live in an area that, you know, you don't have to call and ask uh, the real estate agent, does this place deliver pizza after five o'clock, you know? So they should be able to have decent housing and be able to, you know, be able to take care of their family. And also, you know, we do want teachers to, to have enough extra to be able to invest a little bit beyond their pension and to be able to have you know, some sort of a social life outside of the classroom, because I think if a teacher can have a social life, if a teacher can invest, if a teacher can put their head down at night and know that their kid can go to a quality daycare and, and be able to buy a house, then they're probably going to be a better classroom teacher as well. But when you have teachers that are stressed out, I mean, it's already a stressful enough job as it is at times under the current system. You know, again, that's why I think that baseline of 52,000, and that's not counting master's pay or things like that, you know, will help recruit 
uh, and retain teachers. But I, I like your system. I'm open to it as well. I think that uh, probably what you're saying is going to be more palatable to the most people outside of the teaching profession. I think those in the teaching profession, I'm going to guess that most teachers realize that um, that what a teacher brings to the table, even if they're only doing the basically the, the basic the baseline uh, that they deserve 68 for what what we're for what we're tasking them to do. You know, when you consider, I love what you just said, though, about, you know, hey, what about a single mom who decides to go into teaching? You know, are we really going to, I mean, what, how much, how much should they, she get paid? You know, I, 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 enough, enough, I think, to support her child and herself and, and to not live, you know, almost close to the poverty line. Uh, that, that yeah. is, I think that's very important what you just said. And, and it's one of the reasons why I advocate for the 68 baseline. I think yeah, I'm looking right now. I, I ran some numbers, coach. I'm sorry to interrupt. I'm, I'm really no, doing ahead. that. But, you know, in North Carolina, first year teacher makes 37,000 a year. Uh, if I'm a first year teacher right out of college uh, or not out of college, um, but I'm new to teaching, I can't go out right now and get a master's degree and know that I'm going to get that 10% pay increase. I can do national boards after three years, but that costs money. And national boards has a, a passing rate of around 30 to 40%. Uh, and that is a 12% salary increase in North Carolina. But let's just say for the sake of this example, uh, where we live or where I live here in Jacksonville, North Carolina, a first year teacher is going to make around $2,400 a month and rent for like a one, maybe a two bedroom apartment. That's decent, not great, but not terrible is going to be somewhere between eight fifty and a thousand dollars a month. And if let's say they're a single parent with daycare at a, at a fairly cheap six fifty a month, just out of the gate with housing, counting utilities and the daycare, you've already got seventeen, eighteen, eighteen hundred dollars gone. That leaves that teacher maybe six, seven hundred dollars the rest of the month. That doesn't count student loan debt. That doesn't count food. That doesn't count a car and insurance or any yes. sort of investing your social life. So you know, uh, a, a a normal teacher should not be in that situation where you only have $500 a month and that's not even disposable income. That's still having to pay bills out of that. So, yeah, I, I, I agree. I, and, and so the matter of fact, you throwing those numbers out there at me and I kind of knew them, but hearing them right now, I, I feel even stronger that it should never be below 68. And I don't care where you're at in the country. Um, unless you're in a place where it's, you're a high income earner, then of course this doesn't apply because you're already making more than this, but it, it, in any of the, the the main any of the forty to forty four states where we're talking about here, sixty eight thousand dollars is the baseline. I don't think you should make less than that. But uh, you know, but uh, you know, then the question would be if 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 it's sixty eight, do you you know? I think the real conversation that you and I could have, not real conversation, but I think it would be an interesting conversation. Would be, you know, what are the pros and cons of paying a teacher more for the experience they have. I do see a real argument for that. I'm not saying that we shouldn't do that. I, again, I want to see it in, I, I want to see being a high flyer incentivized. Right. But I definitely see the value in, I mean, I was a much better teacher year 15 than I was year one. I mean, it's night and day. I was so much better. And so to say that I'm only going to get paid 68 year one and then 68 at year 15, you know, but that on the other side, I can make the argument that, well, you know, you're only making 68 because you're getting better at what you're actually doing, but you're not providing any more value above and beyond that. Well, yeah. What if I am that single parent? Let's say that, uh, you know, maybe a divorce situation happens. I've got three kids under 12 years old and I'm a great classroom teacher, but I don't have the time to 
do my national boards or get my master's degree. I'm the best teacher on campus, but I don't have time. Should I be punished for that? You know? Yeah. You know, so there's a lot, there's, there, there's definitely some arguments on both sides of that. So if you did it, if you, so if we, if we married the two and we said, you don't go less than 68, but you get paid an extra thousand dollars a year. Plus on top of that, now we're looking at you're finishing your career at 98. You're going 68 to 98. Or maybe you do uh, pods. Maybe it's not every year, but maybe like worst case scenario, you're stuck in that pod for four years. But you know that at the end of four years, you'll at least move, move up to the next pod. Um, but if you yeah, really right, want to right, advance right. quickly, um, you can you know go get that advanced degree, that national boards, and then do the extra after school stuff or, and be a leader on campus. But the, bo- the bottom line, my bottom line, the question that you asked for this show was, how much should a teacher make? And I'm saying my answer to that is a teacher should never make less than 68. And I don't disagree with that. I'll take a pay raise. But uh, my answer for the show today um, was 52,000. However, if you know that you can get paid for your master's, that means you could be starting out at around 58 to 60,000. So if I know that I'm in college and I know that I'm going to get paid for my master's degree in North Carolina, and I know the starting salary is 52,000, or I can stay an extra year in college, pick up my master's and know that my starting salary is 60,000. You and I are closer there maybe than we originally thought, but right now kids don't have that opportunity. So here's the, here's my final word on it though. And uh, let's bring it back to fit. I don't care if you make $100,000 a year or $50,000, $52,000 a year. If you are not frugal, fearless, and a lifelong learner, you're probably not going to do but so well with money. You, you have to. So, so if you're a teacher out there and, you know, you're making, let's say, $50,000, $52,000 a year um, and, and you are struggling and not doing well with your finances, Giving you an extra ten or fifteen thousand dollars a year, there's a good chance that's actually not going to help your situation. You will probably mismanage that ten to fifteen, just like you've mismanaged the first fifty-two. You, you know, we here at Fit, we are advocating uh, for taking, making the most of what you have with what you have, and that means budgeting. That means be, being frugal and being smart with your money and all of that, and. Um, you know, until you start making a, 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 I mean, I don't know what the number would be. I do know at some point you don't have to be frugal anymore and you're still probably going to be all right. But when we talk about middle income earners, which is what we're talking about, you know, you, if you want to do I mean, let's face it, you can make a hundred thousand dollars a year and, and I can quickly spend a hundred thousand dollars a year Oh yeah, and be broke. I can, I mean, and, we, and as coaches, we see that all the time, just in talking to people like I, you know, not, not even with clients, just because we're willing to talk about this with people. I mean, how many people, how many six figure income people have you met who are not doing well? And I know uh, for my me, wife's a real simple. estate agent. I, I've, I've come across people that make $250,000 a year and they have nothing. They filed for bankruptcy. Yes. So, and so, and so more money does not necessarily mean uh, a, a financially independent mo money, mo problems, <laughs> mo money, mo problems, man. So uh, this, this show was about how much we think they should get paid, but uh, the only way that helps is if you're already doing the right things with what you have. So, yeah. And I think they've done a lot of uh, studies on this psychologically. They say that that threshold is around 80 to 85,000. They say that it, you know, as long as you can make 80 to $85,000, Anything above and beyond that really doesn't make you that much happier, but there's a big difference between making 40 and 80. 
big difference. Um, I'm experiencing some of that now, you know, like with, with my salary, you know, and, and it is public record. I mean, you can go online and find out how much he, I'm, I'm on step 22. You can see what a teacher on step 22 makes in North Carolina. That's what I make. Uh, and I'm in, and I'm single one income. So, you know, exactly what I'm making, you know, exactly what I'm netting. And uh, I can tell you that I'm, I'm fine, you know, and I'm, I'm slowly but surely able to build wealth and I'm, I'm okay. But man, if you give me an extra $10,000 a year, I, that, that I'm going to fully fund my Roth IRA. I'm still going to be able to get my master's degree and, and work towards that. I'm going to be able to bump up my giving. I'm going to be able to get bump up. I mean, everything's going to bump up for me, you know, if I get that kind of money. And so, uh, all of a sudden I'm in much better shape, but that's only because I'm doing the right things with the money I have now. Thanks to in part this show, man, uh, you invite me on this show and let me be a, a part of this. I've learned over the last couple of years, how to, how to be better with money than I was before. So. Yeah. Thank you so much coach for always being transparent and sharing that. It was, it was a lot of fun to hear your ideas on how much you think a teacher deserves to get paid. And, you know, I'm, I'll look forward to getting that pay bump next year when I'm making maybe 90,000. Yeah. Well, let's get under your let's, system. Let's, Let's get me in the uh, let's get me in the governor's mansion. I'll see what we can do. I will start your campaign. I say we have a fit <laughs> campaign. Brandon Spees for governor of North Carolina uh, in 2024, if not 2028. Coach, thank you so much. I enjoyed the discussion back and forth. And again, you know, we're just having these conversations for discussion. Chime in on social media. Let us know how much you think teachers deserve to get paid. So, Coach, thank you. And thank you, of course, to all the listeners for joining us on this week's version of the Fit Educator Podcast. We hope you join us for next week. Be frugal, be fearless, and be a lifelong learner. Take care, everybody.